What do you think? I think we're dead meat. Real dead meat. You're dead meat! Go ahead and laugh, you guys. Find the final little glasses of business. Hey everyone, welcome to the Dead Meat Podcast, an offshoot of the YouTube channel Dead Meat. I'm James A. Janice. And I'm Chelsea Rebecca, and we're boyfriend and girlfriend, and we like to get scared together. Yeah. Today, we have something very fun for you guys, a little different. Today, we're going to talk about real-life events that have inspired horror films. That's right. The horror movies you've seen and love. Inspired by real life events. I'll say right up front, we're not talking about Ed Gein today because <laughs> I know going into this, that's maybe the first thing a lot of you thought of. How many movies have said or are rumored to be inspired by Ed Gein? Let's see. Sounds of the Lambs. Oh, yeah. Psycho. Mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. I think those are the big three, but yeah. there's probably more. Probably. I just, I didn't choose those one because ed gein has been covered so extensively elsewhere and two the sourcing on those is sometimes a little funky and it's you know i'd have to get into the books that the films were inspired by so i I just think other places have already covered ed gein you know they've taken a whole episode to do just him yeah you know everyone knows about ed gein as much as i want to talk about his nipple belts and (laughs) What were you going to say? Do you want to plug uh, one of our favorite podcasts? Sure. Here? I'll shout out um, Last Podcast on the Left does a fantastic little series about Ed Gein. Yeah. They ju- their research is always very, very good. It's very good So research. go listen to that. I don't mind promoting another podcast yeah. <laughs> down here if they do good work. No reason not to. Yeah. Big fans of theirs. All right. Yeah. And you are the one who picked these movies. Yes. You got four lined up I for got us? four movies. Yeah. So what we'll do... We know the movies that we're going to be talking about, and we both know the events that we're going to be talking about. So what mm-hmm. we'll do is we'll cover the event first, okay. and we'll go through the history of whatever event it is that inspired the movie that we're going to talk about, but we'll save the reveal of what movie it is for the end. So you can kind of try and guess yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah, so the listener at home can guess. I will say all of them are pretty... They're pretty easy. Like, I, I think... If you know the movies. If you yeah. know the movies, I think you'll get it right away. You know, three of them at least are movies that pretty much if you're a horror fan, you've seen them. Yeah. One of them is a little off the beaten path, I would say. I'm pretty sure it's the one I, I haven't seen yet. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, which one do you want to start with? We're going to start with a little chat about sleep paralysis. Ooh. <laughs> do you know sleep paralysis? Yeah, I've never experienced it myself. Have you? I don't think I have. It's hard for me to tell the difference between having sleep paralysis and just having anxiety. And I think that that's often a reported symptom of sleep paralysis. Is yeah, your I think chest that's part feels of it. really tight, but I've never I've never experienced the phenomenon of having it feel like there's someone else in the room. Yeah. Which is often what a lot of people... So so sleep paralysis, if you don't know before we get too far into it, uh, it's when you're kind of in between REM sleep and the falling asleep and waking up stages of sleep. So it's like when those two things overlap. Yeah. So you're kind of half asleep, half awake in this weird dream place. And you're like physically unable to move? Yeah, you're conscious, but you're unable to move and you can have a range of hallucinations during it. So like- Because that's like part of the, the REM sleep because REM sleep is when you dream. Mm-hmm. Your your eyes are like rapidly moving mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, it can produce hallucinations, aka dreams, or mm-hmm. if you're in a waking state, like hallucinations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, you can see here, feel things that aren't there. Some people- report the sensation of an entity on or near them usually evil or threatening yeah and isn't there a famous painting of like a demon crouched on someone's chest as they're sleeping and that's that's like a sleep paralysis that painting i can't remember what it's called it's You'd know it if you saw it. It's yeah. a very famous painting. Or even if you haven't seen the painting itself, I feel like it's referenced, it's referenced so much. It's referenced a lot. And it's one of those things that once you are familiar with this painting, you'll see it referenced places. 
Yeah, it'll be very Bader-Meinhof. You know, you'll start to notice it. I think um, I it's been say, in horror movies. I feel like a horror God, movie we, like, I watched recently. I was gonna say something we just watched had that painting in the background, but it's a woman who is on like a bed and she's in a very sheer nightgown, and there's this gargoyle sitting on her. And the painting itself, the original, is actually shout out to our hometown. It's in the Detroit Institute of Arts. Uh, so if you're in the Detroit area, go visit the DIA because oh, yeah. it's a kick-ass museum and um, that painting is there. You can also see stuff by the man who painted President Obama's recent presidential portrait with all the leaves and stuff. So here, the the painting is called The Nightmare. Mm-hmm. It's by Henry Fuseli, mm-hmm. a, a Swiss artist. It was painted in 1781. It's an oil painting if you want to look this up. And yeah, it's got like a little demon guy sitting on this woman's chest as but she's also, asleep. Isn't there like a, a horse in the corner? Uh, there's on the oh, there side. is. Yeah, yeah there's, there's like a crazy a literal horse. Nightmare that yeah, that's the... that's pretty scary. Yeah, that thing freaks me out because you don't notice it at first. Yeah, and uh, it's and it's not just the paint like that imagery of a demon sitting on your chest while you're sleeping that comes up in horror movies i've seen it like replicated and i can't remember specifically i feel like i just saw it maybe in one of those like maybe like an an insidious movie or something like that but yeah you'll see it a lot if you look up this painting and then have that in mind you you will see this image uh all over the place Mm -hmm. yeah so that that idea of being visited by an entity or having one kind of sitting on you while you're asleep that's present in basically all cultures which is a freaky Thing. Kind of like the idea of there being a higher being is something that we find in most cultures. So mm-hmm. is this idea of being visited by an evil spirit at night. It's weird how it's one of those cultural universal things. Yeah. And it's definitely some one of those things where like without knowing that your body can enter this weird in-between state and produce hallucinations, this is definitely something that if you experienced might lead you to believe, oh, yeah. demons are real. Absolutely. This shit's for real. It's, yeah. it's such an example of that phenomenon where humans come up with the easiest explanation for something that we don't understand. Yeah. You know, so without the science, you know, REM sleep, that's a pretty recent discovery, I mm-hmm. would say. Without that knowledge of what that means, I could easily see how all cultures would just be like, yes, demons. Demons. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's all kinds of different names for this in different cultures. I Man, I looked up the pronunciation for most of these, or I tried to at least. Some of them I could not find how to pronounce it. So if you want to correct me, do it nicely. <laughs> but feel free, because I would love to know. Uh, in China, it's called Beiguiya, which means held by a ghost. Oh, that sounds kind of sweet. In Hungary, this is what I couldn't find a pronunciation for. Ooh. Bozorkani Niomas. Oh my god. Means sounds like a... witch's pressure. That sounds like a hockey player. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say it sounds like a big bang theory catchphrase, but yeah, Bazorkani. Bazorkani. Oh, Shelton. <laughs> my favorite thing. Side tangent. I'm so sorry, but it was very funny. When we went on the tour of Warner Brothers <laughs> over Christmas, yeah. there was a family sitting next to us. I think they were speaking Japanese, and I understood zero percent of their conversation besides the word bazinga (laughs) (laughs) it made me laugh so hard oh also it's it's sheldon right not shelton sheldon yeah i just want to just hedge you know all those big bang theory fans just want to cut off any of your your emails (laughs) to me telling me that's not shelton i'm sorry yeah uh newfoundland they call the spirit the old hag so and they refer to that experience as being hag ridden which reminded me of something we always we always used to say this in college my housemates and I and it's a a phrase that originates in the southern United States Hi, I Rin. don't know it's it's uh it's a little bit it's a different variation of that it's called being ridden by the boo hag oh so yeah. we would before we go to sleep would sometimes say don't let the boo hag ride you, you would I, say that, you would say this in college we would say this to each other yeah I don't I don't know how I think it might have been from one of my friends taking a mythology class or something. I, I don't know how it worked its way into our vernacular because we're all from like Michigan. But yeah, that's from the southern United States. It's from Gullah culture. And that's the descendants of enslaved Africans. So they came up with this idea of, a yeah, a, a witch sitting on top of you while you sleep and uh, she sucks the breath out of you. Mm. And they'll say, I did see some sources on sleep paralysis say that 
uh, witch riding is a phrase for sleep paralysis in the southern witch US. riding. So I just assume that sounds like you're riding a witch. What a witch rides you. Yeah, that doesn't sound. I just that ass- would be person riding. Like I the witch know. is like she like is like, hey, I'm gonna go person ride. Tell their witch friends. I, yeah, I guess. Witch riding sounds like way more fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Saddle up. And uh, and in Fiji, they call it kana tavoro, which means being eaten by a demon. Oh. Yeah. But what we're going to focus on uh, is what the Hmong people of Laos call mm-hmm. it, and that is chochua. That's how I saw how to pronounce it. And chochua is the experience itself, while da cho is the experience, or it's is the evil spirit that visits you and steals your breath while you sleep. Da cho. And I, yep, it's da cho. <laughs> the cho. <laughs> <laughs> the cho. <laughs> and it, it's spelled, it's D-A-B-T-S-O-G. I had to look oh, up how to wow. pronounce. Yeah, it's it's not, you can't phonetically pronounce. No, I wouldn't have guessed that. No. Sleep paralysis is common and not dangerous. However, in the late 1970s and early 1980s in the United States, over 100 Hmong immigrants died as a result of distress related to sleep paralysis. That's so crazy. Or at least that's the leading theory. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about that today. So during the Vietnam War, the Hmong fought a guerrilla war against the communist government of Laos, you know, with our help. Yep. So that turned out good. <laughs> when the government won, many Hmong fled to the U.S. The U.S. decided to spread the incoming Hmong population across 53 different cities instead of keeping them all in one place. Why I don't not? know why. Yeah, why Cause, not? Because America, I don't know. <laughs> we don't think about these things like long term. Like, isn't there like a ton of space in like Wyoming? And you just make a little Hmong, Hmong town. I, dude, I don't know. You call it Hmong, Hmongtropolis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds fun. <laughs> so what this did is because their population became so dispersed is it immediately put them at risk for experiencing this kind of sleep paralysis because often, you know, it's, it can be something caused by stress. Mm-hmm. But in their culture, they perform religious rituals to protect themselves against the kind of demon that would come in your sleep to steal your breath. But when you don't have your whole community together, yeah, this makes them unable to perform these religious rituals properly. So their spirits, and in their minds, the spirits of their homeland aren't able to protect them anymore. Okay. So once you're visited by this evil entity at night, you need the help of a shaman who is now inaccessible because you're all split up across the whole country. Because you're not in Montropolis. Yeah. Yeah, you're not in Montropolis. So, yeah. So basically you can't, in their minds, they're unable to protect themselves against this. And they're very superstitious. Yeah. What I've read is that they were very, very, very superstitious against this kind of entity. And then they would just die? So, yeah. So beginning in 1977... Otherwise, completely healthy refugees just started dying in their sleep. Mid-20s to mid-40s, recent immigrants, all men except for one. Hmm. And that's important. The fact that they're all men, and we'll get to that later. Okay. As word got around in the Hmong community in the United States that this was happening, many began to take preventative measures. They would set alarm clocks to prevent deep sleep, or they just would try not to sleep at all. That might sound familiar. Yeah. Lots of the prevailing theory for why so many Hmong were dying in their sleep is taken from the work of Shelley Adler, a professor at UC San Francisco. She researched the Hmong and their experiences with sleep paralysis for years. She proposed that the stress related to the dislocation of the Hmong population in the U.S., combined with this intense belief in evil spirits that have the power to kill you, were killing these men in their sleep. So her idea is... This combination of such stress from being displaced on top of the stress of being separated from each other on top of the stress of, oh, my God, I can't perform this ritual to protect myself against this evil demon Mm -hmm. was just straight up killing people. Jesus. Yeah. Well, also, they weren't getting a lot of sleep. That (laughs) That probably didn't help. Yeah. And so and why I mentioned earlier that they were mostly men and that's important is it happens that this kind of sudden unexpected death syndrome or suds as it's abbreviated (laughs) it tends to occur most often in populations in southeast asia and there's a possible link to hereditary heart conditions which i believe are more prevalent in men Mm -hmm. i think that's some pretty good evidence for the idea that yes this was also kind of a combination of this 
placebo mm-hmm. with the fact that they actually had these hereditary heart conditions most often present in men and it would they would just be exacerbated by the stress. So it was like a psychosomatic trigger of a like genetic Yes, of a real thing. Yeah. Yes. That's crazy. Yeah, That's how was, a human body works sometimes, man. It was just man. such a bad coincidence you know yeah just a bad like series like a domino effect of things that really did end up yeah triggering this genetic condition that killed a bunch of people Mm -hmm. yeah and uh so someone heard about this in the news someone did hear about this in the news and his name was mr wes craven wes craven this is the inspiration for a nightmare on elm street yep yes should i just read this quote from him sure okay Wait, can I read it? Yeah, you should. You got it? Yeah. I think I have the hiccups. Oh, no. I know. This sucks. <laughs> okay. Here's an abbreviated quote from Wes Craven from Cinema Fantastique. It was a series of articles in the LA Times about men from Southeast Asia who were from immigrant families and who had died in the middle of nightmares. The third one was the son of a physician. He was about 21. I've subsequently found out this is a phenomenon in Laos, Cambodia. He was given sleeping pills and told to take them, and supposedly did, but he stayed up. In the middle of the night, they heard screams and crashing. They ran into the room, and by the time they got to him, he was dead. They had an autopsy performed, and there was no heart attack. He had just died for unexplained reasons. They found in his closet a Mr. Coffee Maker full of hot coffee that he had used to keep awake, and they also found all his sleeping pills that they thought he had taken. He had spit them back out and hidden them. It struck me as such an incredibly dramatic story that I was intrigued by it for a year, at least, before I finally thought I should write something about this kind of situation. And he used those uh, direct imagery. Like, he used that. Mm -hmm. He took those images and put them straight in his movie. Coffee machine in the closet and sleeping sleeping pills pills behind the pillow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, it, it is nuts that this is the working theory. For why that happened. Yeah, that's such a crazy combination of factors. Because I think at first, the the woman who proposed this, this Shelley Adler, mm-hmm. she was laughed at because it does sound crazy. But then as she started to explore it, she was like, no, this has to be it. Yeah, I mean, how else are you going to explain all I this? I mean, I don't know. But yeah, it's that's the accepted theory now. So that's cool. You never would expect Nightmare on Elm Street to have... A real life inspiration. When I saw that come up, when I was looking for movies inspired by real events, that one surprised me. I was like, what about this is going <laughs> to be the real thing? Yeah. But then that because Because, yeah, yeah if, you, if you see Nightmare on Elm Street inspired by true events, maybe you think, oh, there was a guy who was killing Killed kids, kids yeah. and the parents like... <laughs> burned him alive in in revenge yeah nope it was the sleep it's demon the other part. thing yeah <laughs> right nope it was the sleep demons yeah yeah man good stuff though all right good research ready to move on to our yeah next one? how many of you guessed it i'm sure everyone i'm sure it. everyone did yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think i mean these are not difficult yeah yeah but i also wanted to pick movies people had heard of mm-hmm. so our next movie is inspired by our good friend Sonny Bean. Sonny. Good old fucking Sonny. Uh, so here's the thing. This guy. Sonny probably wasn't real. <laughs> or if he was. Uh, they most did of not the, happen like this. Yeah, they're exaggerated. But I included it because it's fun. And it's it's true-ish, you know. Mm-hmm. It, I think it has its origins and things that happened. It's so mythical. It has a it. mythical like. He's a folk figure. Yeah. I'm trying to think of an equivalent. Uh like uh johnny appleseed or paul bunyan maybe yeah i would say even one more so that people like maybe a better equivalent is the the myth of george washington and the cherry tree or whatever because that probably didn't happen yeah yeah. but it's like you know it so it's kind of a i think that one's a bit more people are like oh wait that didn't happen you know and maybe some people would be like oh sony bean wasn't a real yeah like johnny appleseed i'm pretty sure people know that dude wasn't real i mean who knows are we sure he wasn't real? Was he real? I don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know what? Dude, maybe he was. No, you know what? I don't know. Was he real? He might have been real. Hold on. No, now we have to know because okay. this can't be. Um, This can't go unanswered. We need to find out. We must resolve the Johnny We're Appleseed We're all going to learn together. <laughs> I, I think he was real. You think he was real? That's my. Yeah, I'm going to say I'm no. I don't think out the he real was. position. Holy shit, he was. Yeah. Oh my god, he was real. My okay. Boy Johnny. Okay, so wow. 
that's weird. I was using him as an example of like, no, he's too fantastical. But no, he was a straight up real dude. Okay. Wow. I hope he really wore a a sauce pot on his head. Is that just me or like when when you imagine? I always imagine him with like a pot on. Why? I don't know. I mean, he has in this picture. He has like a hat on. Is it a? It looks. It could. It looks like it could be, but (laughs) it's not. It's just a hat. Wow, that guy was real. Fuck yeah. When did he live? Um, he was born in 1774 and died in 1845. Oh. Wow. What? A, oh, wow. That's later than I would have pegged. I guess he was right? a real like American yeah. American boy. Wow. Weird. Okay, cool. Nice. Well. <laughs> you know what we need to do then? We need to write a horror movie about Johnny Appleseed. Ooh, I bet that exists already. Yeah, that one might be one where we have to take the reins. Yeah. That one might be one. You that know what's good is that guy's public domain. I doubt there's a Johnny Appleseed estate that's going to try and <laughs> wrestle away film rights from us. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Okay. That's one to think about. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So Sony Bean story yeah. is a folktale from Scotland. So if we have any Scottish listeners, maybe they know of Sony Bean. They know all about Sony Bean already. The story goes that he was born around the 1500s to a pair of ditch diggers and hedge trimmers. Fun. Respectable professions. Respectable occupations. He tried to follow in the footsteps of his parents, but he decided he didn't like hard labor, and he left home with his girlfriend, who apparently wasn't a fan of honest work either. Yeah, live that bohemian life. Yeah. I almost said Johnny. Sonny, not Johnny. <laughs> Johnny went around planting trees. He was he did hard labor. He was kind of a wanderer. Johnny? Yeah. He was like a fucking But he did he, he a, did good stuff. Yeah, he was a tree hugger. He was kind of the opposite of Sonny Bean, actually, if you think about <laughs> it. <laughs> you know? Yep. You know what they say. Are you on the which which side of the appleseed bean spectrum are you on? Yeah. I'm more of a Johnny. Yeah. So him and his girlfriend moved into a cave by the sea where they lived around 25 years without ever leaving to visit any nearby city or town. The two of them eventually had a brood 45 strong. So that means... That's some incest. There was a lot of incest that's some, going that's on. Because they had grandkids. Oh, oh, oh. They didn't interact with anyone but themselves and lived only by robbery and murder. Ah, oh, those are not respectable professions. You know what's weird, though, is I'm thinking about it, and since it's the 1500s, I wonder how people would have thought about the incest part because, you know, royal families. Yeah, but I think that's only okay if you're a royal family. That's true. If you have strategic reasons. Yeah. Not you just we live in be... a cave reasons. Exactly. <laughs> you can't point to your cave blood and you want to keep that pure. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Oh, man. So that, uh, that's how they went undiscovered is because they interacted with literally no one and no one knew they existed because they would murder anyone who came across them and they would eat them. Oh. Yep. Yeah. This was the only food they ate. And they ended people? up eating people. They ended up having too much of it. So they would throw limbs into the sea, which would wash up <laughs> somewhere else and freak everyone out. Jesus. Yeah. People nearby finally started searching for whoever was responsible. For hey, the maybe limbs we should do something about all these arms and legs. Because <laughs> I just, I just want to have a beach day. Yeah, I want to take my family down to the beach. Ooh, and yeah. here, what do you know? Here comes a foot. Yeah, right. Your kids go looking for shells. Yeah, they come back with fingernails. Back with an arm. <laughs> That's yeah. Yeah, maybe do something about that. That's no good. Maybe start a neighborhood watch. Yeah. So, well, they did. They started searching for whoever was responsible, and many never returned. Then, uh, because humans, people were who were just innocent and passed through towns at the wrong time were hanged because, yeah. you know, we're humans, and that's well, kind of how we roll. That's what'll happen. That is. You go passing through towns. There's, you know, any kind of hysteria. We're hanging people. Mm-hmm. That's what people do. Well, you got to do. do something. Yeah. You got you to gotta act somehow. Well, you know what people did is they hanged innkeepers. Because they, at some point in time, sheltered the missing people and people just assumed they were responsible. Oh. Yeah. So this all caused a giant domino effect and essentially depopulated the entire area because everyone got the fuck out. (laughs) So the stories say that Sawney's clan killed around a thousand people. What the fuck? Yeah. One day, a man and his wife on horseback were attacked by the family. The wife was disemboweled and eaten in front of her husband. Oh. Yeah, really nice afternoon story time. (laughs) 
The family turned on the husband and almost murdered him before the rest of the riding party the couple had been traveling with started to catch up, and the clan scattered. The husband told his party what had happened, they told the king, and the king set out with a gigantic search party. Which king is this? James the 1500s? I think it's James the 6th was what I read. Of, of Scotland? Scotland? Yeah. James I don't know my... I'm well, a, it I'm would an American be, it'd be a James. Well, it's probably a James. Well, yeah, because Mary Queen of Scots would have been later if this is like early 1500s. Whatever. It's probably a James. Probably James. King James. Yeah. One of those. The search party eventually found the cave the family lived in, which was decorated with dried people meat, mm. all hung in rows. They seized the whole family. Sonny, his wife, eight sons, six daughters, 18 grandsons, 14 granddaughters. I have no idea where those numbers come from, yeah, but I, I is... saw them multiple places. Really? Dude, I don't know. Well, you know, the best way to make your story really pop is details, I guess. Yeah. Just stick those numbers in it. It makes it sound real. Mm-hmm. Again, this is this is most likely a mythical this is this is a myth this is is not not a real a real which is why it's so odd that it's so specific but i Mm -hmm. wonder if it's if it's one of those things where it's like a grim fairy tale where those were fairy tales that have been around for years but Mm -hmm. the grim brothers eventually wrote very specific versions yeah and so we kind of have those solidified versions so i I have a feeling that's what happened with this because it's so specific Mm -hmm. so the entire family was executed the men had their hands and legs cut off and were bled to death. And genitals. I read that. Oh, you did? I read that the genitals were cut well, off well. and they bled to death. You know, I'm sure they were. Right. Uh, People but, were crazy back then. Dude, we could do a whole episode about weird medieval torture Ugh. and stuff. I don't know if I want to. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just do it by myself. And that's what inspired Saw. Yeah. Oh man, that'd be fun. We could do saw traps versus real life. Oh, and like say which is worse. Which yeah, like yeah. would you rather? Uh, a spoiler, always the medieval one. Those are always worse, probably. Worse than saw traps? I don't know. There's some pretty gnarly saw traps. I mean, I feel like saw traps will kill you faster. Mm, which is better. better. That's yeah. better. <laughs> we should do that as an episode. Um, uh, the women were forced to watch, and afterwards were burnt to death. Mm. So. This story is the inspiration for The Hills Have Eyes. Yes. Again, Mr. Wes Craven. Mr. Wes Craven. <laughs> you know what, though? It works. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I Yeah, I don't want anyone listening to this thing like, oh, He Wes just Craven. ripped off stuff. Yeah. No, I, like, I, it's so cool. It's one thing to be like, oh, it'd be scary if uh, you died in your sleep. It's another thing to come up with Freddy fucking Krueger. Yeah, and I think there's so much truth to the fact that real life is scarier than fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Fun fact, I actually just read a book that was also inspired by Sonny Bean. Uh, oh, a Jack Ketchum book. Jack Ketchum's off-season uh, Jack Ketchum is a writer who wrote a lot of horror stories. Uh, recently passed away. That's what prompted me to get some of his books. Stephen King has been quoted as calling him like the scariest author. So I figured it'd be fucked up. I did not expect uh, it to be as fucked up as it was. Off Season is a supremely graphic, horrifying novel. And it involves a cave clan of incestuous cannibals who attack some people uh, who are, like, in a cabin by themselves during the off-season of a, like, a resort town, I think. And, yep, they just fucking... And Jack Ketchum goes into graphic detail about them splitting people apart and cutting places, cutting parts off that you don't want cut off and eating them and boiling them. And it's just all very graphic, very grim, Super dark. Uh, if you want to test yourself, I guess go read it. It's like a well-written book, but God damn, it's like, oh man, I don't know if I need to read that. Yeah. It's dark. And yeah. then, yeah, I finished it, put it down, looked it up. There's our boy, Sonny Bean. Yeah. 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 So uh, obviously instead of Scotland, it's set in America in the deserts of Nevada during the 70s. Yeah. And you can see the clear inspiration. You even have the patriarchal family structure with Papa Jupiter as the head of the clan. Fun fact, there's a Sony Bean attraction in Edinburgh where you go through dungeons and there's a boat ride. <laughs> and oh. I really want to do it. <laughs> uh, actors 
they tell the story. It's like an immersive history thing. You, I think you're with the King's search party and you go through these underground rivers and shit and you eventually find Sawney Bean and his clan. I, I feel like it's part historical reenactment, part haunted house. Oh, I'm kind of imagining Captain Spaulding's ride from House of a Thousand Corpses. Yes. <laughs> a ride that I very much want to go on. <laughs> oh, man. That's the best part of that movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, if we're ever in Scotland, we're going to go do that. Sure. <laughs> Put that on the list. Yeah. All right. Ready for the next one? Yeah. What do we got? Okay. On November 13th, 1974... Ronald Butch DeFeo Jr. shot and killed his father, mother, two sisters, and two brothers. They were all found face down in bed with no clear signs of any struggle. He shot his parents twice each and shot each of his siblings once. There's no definitive version of what happened that night, and DeFeo has many different versions of his side of the story, some of which include the mob and the involvement of a hitman. He changed his story a lot during the trial. And yeah, eventually the mafia just worked its way in. Yeah. He was found guilty on all six counts of second degree murder and is still in the Sullivan Correctional Facility in Fallsburg, New York. Oh, he's still alive? Yes. When did this happen? 74. 74? He's still in jail. Oh. Yep. Interesting. So with Butch unable to inherit the house on account of murdering his whole family in it, yeah. it went up for sale. That'll, uh, if, if you're looking to get your inheritance, maybe don't do that. Yeah, and on top of that, your the value of your house is so much less. Oh yeah, see, you're just working against yourself if you go around murdering your family like that. So. Yeah, it's, dope. it's not good. Just Don't recommend. Mm -hmm. Oh, a bird just like flew in the window. That scared me. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and uh, that was the basis for Hitchcock's The Birds. Oh god, was this story right here? George, uh, George and Kathy Lutz purchased the home and moved in with their three kids. The Lutzes would end up living in this house for 28 days. That's this is not the inspiration not for 28 days later. <laughs> they allege that a whole bunch of supernatural occurrences started to happen after they moved in. There's a giant list. In fact, there's a whole book about it. And yeah. that's a little hint for what this is. What's the book called? I can't tell you what the book's oh, called. Because that's, the, that's, the, that's the thing. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's another hint. Some things that happened, allegedly... Big allegedly are. A Catholic judge came to bless the home when they first moved in and heard voices telling him to get out. He developed a fever and blisters on his hands that resembled stigmata, mm. which it's the it's when you develop wounds on the body that are in the same locations that Jesus was wounded during his crucifixion. So like holes in your hands, feet. I think does the cut on your side count? Oh, does it? I never considered that. I always that. usually hear it in reference to the holes in the hands. Of yeah, the usually it's holes in the hands or the, the feet. Yo, that's it more, would suck that's, to be crucified. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It almost sounds better to getting it upside down. Like, uh, who was that, Peter? Peter. Yeah, St. Oh, Peter no, was crucified upside down. Too. Also, I just realized that if you crucify someone upside down, you probably got to do it at kind of an angle or else like your legs are going to be falling over your head. You know, you got to kind of slant that cross back. Get what I mean? Oh, uh, yeah. Because if it's straight up and you're upside down, you're just gonna fall. You're just gonna fall um, unless you nail the feet. I was gonna say unless you nail it. Yeah. Unless you nail the feet. Okay. We'll research this and do it for our saw episode. <laughs> <laughs> we should do an Easter episode about crucifixion. Oh my god! <laughs> and then go that, right to hell. That's dark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'll do it by myself. <laughs> Chelsea, what are you doing in there? <laughs> Oh I man, that's nails. how I celebrate Easter. <laughs> yeah. And then watching Jesus Christ Superstar <laughs> every year. All right. Um, by the way, the other day, this oh man, I was eating something that had chocolate in it and I I forgot about it and later I noticed I had like chocolate right in the middle of my hand and it kind of was like a chocolate stigmata. It all I, I thought it was blood at first and I was like, oh fuck. And I realized no, it was chocolate from earlier. I'm disgusting. <laughs> Did you only realize it was chocolate after you licked it? maybe but also i thought back to what would have happened and oh yeah i'd like just eaten something with chocolate oh, yeah. okay anyway the couple had vivid nightmares about the murders george lutz consistently woke up at 3 15 a.m the time of the murders george and kathy saw a demon in their fireplace you know what i wake up consistently at 3 15 a.m but that's just a pee maybe lutz had a small bladder like me maybe yeah, some of these are, you know, like, oh, they had nightmares. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess if you move into a house where you know 
all family was murdered, that yeah. maybe work its way into your dreams. Yeah, it will be on your mind. What about demons in the fireplace? George and Kathy saw a demon. Are you sure it wasn't fire? It was a demon in the fireplace. Uh, sometimes demons can look a lot like fire. That's well, all I'm saying. Not according to George and Kathy. Well, are they are they reliable sources? Oh, they're not. They're <laughs> absolutely not. We'll talk about how bullshit they are in a little bit. Uh, the kids started to sleep on their stomachs, which is how the bodies at the murder scene were found in bed. Or maybe they were just more comfortable no, on their James, stomachs. James, no. It's because the murder happened in that room. Okay. Therefore, stuff. Yeah. You know what? I sleep on my stomach. It's the worst position to sleep in. Is it? I think so. All of them have something wrong All of them are, yeah, all of them are bad. Because side is bad for your knees. Yeah, so I got to put a pillow between your knees. I guess side and pillow is good, but if you're on your back and you have breathing issues, that's going to get exacerbated. Yeah, that's how you exacerbate your sleep apnea. Can you tell we're getting older is that we know these things? (laughs) Because we've thought about the yeah. the position of sleep that will uh, less least likely mess us up as yeah. we continue on in and life. Yeah, going off of that, sleeping on your back is better for preventing wrinkles. Is it? It is, yeah. Oh, I can't sleep on my back, though. Sleeping on my back is my favorite. I got to do stomach. Yep. Which is what? That's, bad the worst for your neck? For, that's the worst for wrinkles. Oh, it's the worst for Cause wrinkles. Because you mush your face up in the pillow. Yeah, but it's a pillow. It's I know. Soft. Like who, gives, who honestly, who gives a fuck? Sleep how you think is comfortable. But. <laughs> Yo, These I'll, are things that magazines tell you to make you hate yourself. <laughs> I sleep on my stomach, one arm wrapped around Porgy, which is the name of my stuffed Porg, and uh, on good nights, one hand touching Lucy because she's been sleeping up. Oh yeah, with us in bed lately. It's been nice. Yeah. One of uh, George and Kathy's kids made imaginary friends with a red-eyed demon pig named Jody. <laughs> that just Nothing? sounds normal. No, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's fine with me. Normal kid stuff. <laughs> Cloven hoof prints appeared in the snow outside. That was just, what was it, Jody? Yeah. The that was just Jody. It was just Jody. Yeah. George discovered a room in the house not in the blueprints. It had red walls and no apparent purpose. It's it, the red room. It it came to be known as the red room. Obviously. And their dog refused to go by it. Good. You can, you can find pictures of it online too. I feel like it would probably make for a good little bar. I don't think it's big enough. What do you mean like a bar? Just like a little bar. You put a little bar in there, store your liquor there. Like a like a it doesn't cabin. have to be a wet bar. Oh. You know. Just a place to put your booze is what I'm saying. That's yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> So George and Kathy crossed paths with author Jay Anson, and he turned their stories into an insanely popular book. What's the name of the book? I can't tell you oh, that Oh, it's yet. that book. Okay. The story of their house became such a phenomenon that even our friends, Ed and Lorraine Warren, swung by <laughs> to check it out. And if you recognize their names, it's because they are the main characters in the Conjuring series and also real people. Yeah. They are paranormal investigators. They basically have a whole museum of haunted shit. And they're 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 charlatans, right? They are, yeah. They're full of shit. Yeah. I would still, honestly, I would love to see Ed Ed, Ed Warren's passed away, but Lorraine Warren still does talks and stuff. I would go see her. She's kind of like a a living kind of yeah legend, you know. I think she was at WonderCon a few years ago. <laughs> but did they ever let on? Like at never. this point in her life, never. She's never. Then I no. I don't think so. I think they they've always held firm to the fact see, that their stories are real. I'm more of a fan of like the Penn and Teller type magician who's like this isn't real That's but different. we're good at look lady they're not doing magic i know but it's still chicanery it's still mm-hmm. uh, tricks and look lady you're at the end of your life probably i imagine just fucking fess up come on mm-hmm. you're gonna take this to your grave that you, you you've been dealing with I demons mean, and shit yeah that's bad for that's bad for humanity bad karma i have to i have to look up to see if they've ever recanted anything but i don't think i don't think they have just stood i think by their that bullshit. they've always yeah and she still does talks and stuff whatever i'd have lunch with her but <laughs> yeah they're they're full of shit and that's fine <laughs> um so they yes they claim that that house is totally haunted and not a hoax i have an all caps <laughs> uh yeah so i i was gonna make the conjuring one of these but Ed and Lorraine have so many crossovers with so many different movies that it I just couldn't. We could yeah, honestly, Annabelle. I'll, I mean, that's a the Conjuring, Conjuring spinoff. Um, yeah. Fuck, I'm trying to think of other ones. Whatever. But yeah, we could do a whole episode on them pretty mm-hmm. much. 
I do love The Conjuring a lot. It's good. It's a good movie. It's good stuff. I, I think maybe what makes them likable to me is the actors playing them. And yeah, I, I, I was going to say. Patrick Wilson Patrick and uh, Wilson uh, fucking Fear Formiga. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That They're makes them great. very likable. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I picture him, I'm picturing Patrick Wilson. That's helping him a lot. Yeah, 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 for sure. So this story is the Amityville Horror. Yeah. Which is why I couldn't say the name of the book because that's also the name of the book. Most or honestly, probably all of it is bullshit. Yeah. Their stories don't hold up under scrutiny and hearsay from people close to the situation offers anecdotal proof that it's all made up. Did the, Again, that's also anecdotal. So, you know, it's anecdotal stuff versus anecdotal stuff. But Did the Catholic judge ever say anything? He did. I'm trying to remember because the, the thing with like the research for this is Amityville, there's so much mm-hmm. because it was so popular and so sensational and people were so into it that the amount of research you could do on it is just endless and i'm trying to remember if i i want to say the catholic judge recanted i want to say that that might not be the case but i think he might have been like i was exaggerating or yeah no shit I that's don't cause, remember that's that guy believes in hell and realized, oh, yeah. I'm going to die soon. He doesn't want to go there. Better fess up. One of their lawyers claims that the entire story was definitely invented by his clients. And Jay Anson, the author of the book, Overdrinks. The people who live in the house today have reported zero paranormal activity. And they resent being a tourist attraction <laughs> for nerds. Oh, uh, that sucks. But I would still probably I would. I would drive by. No, what you got to do... Uh, it's in New York. Oh, okay. Long Island, sorry. Not our neighborhood. I, I mean, it's Amityville, but it's like Long Island. Okay. Yeah. I I would go see it. I think what you got to do is like park down the street and just walk by and don't stop. Yeah. You know, like, you know, take a look at it. Maybe snap a picture really quick with You're your phone. You're purse cams. Yeah. Just but like, it. just don't be a weirdo. Yeah. But also, don't move into the Amityville. Yeah, or house. maybe you know if you don't want to deal with that, don't move into. We the should buy it someday. House. Honestly, if it ever goes up for sale, no, we'll... I want to buy the Elm Street house. Oh yeah, I'd That's rather do that. That's, That's true. We wouldn't so have to move warmer. if we ever buy the Elm Street house. We'll make it a tourist attraction and people yeah. can come see it. We don't care if people <laughs> take pictures. We're not going to be selfish. Yeah, Amityville people. Let's start a GoFundMe and we'll buy the house. It's probably like two it's, million it's dollars. So That's a nice house. God, that'd be such a in a nice neighborhood. We'd have articles written about how shitty we are if we ever did that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we'll buy it one day. Um. All right. Here's the last one. Last this is, one. This is the one where the movie is a little off the beaten path. Yeah. Maybe if you're a hashtag '90s kid, you'll know it. Well, I'm a hashtag '90s kid. I didn't know it. That's true. Yeah. And maybe I think I remember it because the trailer scared the fuck out of me mm-hmm. and the concept of it scares me. The concept Everything about it scares me. I've never seen this movie. I've kind of avoided it. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it would be fucking it'd be hard to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Especially since you know how it ends. Yeah. They're not changing the ending for this movie. <sighs> yeah. 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 It just, yeah. It doesn't sound fun. On January 28th, 1998, Two Americans on vacation in Australia departed on a dive charter boat with 24 other passengers to do some diving on the Great Barrier Reef. Thomas and Eileen Lonergan were already experienced divers, so when the boat reached its destination about 40 miles offshore, they informed one of the diving instructors on the boat that they were going to dive on their own. We got it from here. Yeah. Thanks for taking us out here, but we're good. We're good. Apparently, it's common for experienced divers to do this, so it's not out of the ordinary, because at first that stuck out to me. I was like, why would you do that? (laughs) But apparently, if you've done enough diving, that's normal. Okay. You just get someone to drive the boat for you, and then you do stuff on your own. I mean, do you let them know ahead of time? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Which they did. They they (laughs) said. Oh, okay, okay. Because it it sounded like they got out there, and then they were like, hey, by the way, we're we're peacing out. Oh, I I think that that's a thing that, you know, people who charter these kind of Sure. Yeah. They they know that people are going to do that. Yeah. <clears throat> so after a little under an hour underwater, they resurfaced to find that their boat, the outer edge, was gone. Oh, my God. This story, by the way. How far out are they? Um, 40 miles. Oh. Not swimmable. No. This story pisses me off. <laughs> and we're all going to learn why it pisses me off. It's just a story about incompetence. Mm-hmm. And it's a story about people being bad at their jobs. Neglect. Just, yes. This story is just pure neglect. Yeah. And it's so, it is so infuriating. And we'll talk a little bit too about the legal stuff that comes up. We won't talk too much about it because that's basically its own story. But the, the trial 
over what happened here is so infuriating because it becomes a media sensation and the the defense comes up with the most heinous shit to defend themselves and it's it's awful anyway we'll get there the boat returned ashore and the crew apparently noticed there were bags left behind but they didn't think anything of it oh those are the extra bags oh yeah i didn't remember bringing extra bags but whatever no yeah you always got your extra bags yeah there apparently was a head count done and all 26 passengers were counted but two of them are gone so they counted wrong oh yeah the boat also would have had two missing tanks and two missing weight belts which are the things that keep you you know weighted down underwater Mm -hmm. but that fact still did not raise any suspicion there's so many things already (laughs) that someone should have noticed and done something about it i mean sometimes you just you know you misplace your weight belt yeah that's why you buy extra sure The couple's bus driver that night, who was supposed to pick them up, reported to his boss that the couple wasn't waiting for him when he went to get them. The bus company called the boat company, and the boat company said the bus was all clear to leave without Thomas and Eileen. Oh, oh, what? You're missing two of our past? That's fine. That's weird. We're missing two tanks and weight belts, and we have these two extra... No, it's fine. It's probably okay. They're fine. They probably swam back on their own. (laughs) God damn. It gets worse. It sucks. Over 48 hours later, a crew member of the boat finally noticed a bag left on the boat with Thomas's wallet, papers, and shirt inside. The skipper of the boat, Jack Nairn, finally called the police 51 hours after the Lonergans had been stranded. Hmm. Which is the thing that is so infuriating. They could have feasibly found them. Yeah. A day, even a day later. Because they wouldn't have drifted, you know, yeah. in the current. We're talking. And I believe that, you know, there were boats going out, you know, the next day close to where that, you know, the spot where they'd been stranded. They were feasibly pretty close by still, mm-hmm. which is so crazy to think that there were boats going out within range of them. And they're still alive. They could have been found. Yeah. But they weren't because they waited 51 fucking hours well, yeah. <laughs> to go look for them. That's a long time just be treading water, it's man. a long, long time. And also, what's 51 hours? That's a couple days. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could still technically survive that long without fresh water. But God, if you're treading water, I don't know. Oh, yeah. It's all All fun. that energy you're using. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We don't really know what happened to the Lonergans. Well, I know. They died. Well, yeah. <laughs> the physical evidence that we have is a wetsuit, Eileen's size, washed up on shore with tears in it, believed to be caused by coral. Their inflatable vests with their names on them washed up on shore with their near-empty tanks and one of Eileen's flippers. And then the most disturbing piece of evidence, which you can find pictures of online if you, you know, Google just this case, um, it's a dive slate that washed up on shore. And these are little boards. They look like whiteboards. They use them to communicate underwater. Mm. Uh, divers do. Tom Lonergan wrote, Monday, Jan 26, 1998, 8 a.m. To anyone who can help us, we have been abandoned on Agincourt Reef 25, Jan 98, 3 p.m. Please come to rescue us before we die. Help. Jesus. That washed up on shore and someone found it. Other sources claim the wetsuit tears were done by a tiger shark. At the coroner's inquest, a world-famous diver named Ben Krop expressed his opinion that they were probably killed by a tiger shark within a day or two. No one knows either way. Dehydration, drowning, attack, it's fucking awful and was the result of sloppily taken safety measures. Apparently that boat had left dive sites before without taking proper headcounts. Even so, the skipper was not found guilty of manslaughter. The trial was super sensationalized and the defense went out of their way to make it seem like the couple was still alive, that they had faked their deaths, or that they did die, but it was a planned suicide. What? Etc. Yeah, it's nuts. That that part I, I didn't go too much into because, again, that's like its whole episode Jesus. of just that trial because it was an Australian media clusterfuck, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. I know there was some stuff from the, the defense that um, they found... I think a diary of Eileen's where she wrote about either marital issues or she was feeling depressed or something. So they they made it look like they committed suicide or she went out of their way to make this happen. It's like it's fucked up. Man, lawyers suck. I know. They they really, really exploited these two and made them, you know, 
almost seem like devious villains. Like they were trying to like start a new life together and they faked their deaths and they did this whole thing. But that was not the case. That'd yeah, be crazy. That'd be crazy. I kind of hope that was the case and that they're somewhere I mean, in like are there, Cuba. There, are there not like islands around where they... I have no I, idea. I don't know, man. I have no idea. That sucks. Yeah. Uh, Jack Nairn, the skipper, does not own that business anymore. It doesn't exist anymore. Well, good. Yeah. At least that happened. Um, yeah, because that was just 98. That was... Well, I guess that's 20 years I know, ago that's 20 now. years ago Jesus. Now. Uh, the movie this inspired was open water open water which i remember when that came out because again the trailer freaked me out so bad i've never seen it i yeah that sounds like a very difficult watch it, i mean yeah. life of pie is stressful enough what just water stuff dunkirk yeah. titanic titanic, even. titanic yeah yeah the ocean the ocean man me very it's much big and it's unforgiving yeah so especially ocean at night dude no mm -mm. it's oh god mm -mm -mm. it's so dark and open yeah no thanks yeah it's awful i read that they used real sharks in the movie shut up did and, you really and that they uh didn't want to go with like exaggerated shark behavior like most other movies yeah that they oh, like man. wanted to be realistic that's cool though yeah no that's great it sounds like this movie was done tactfully they yeah they changed their name to daniel and susan yeah, it, it sounds like it's pretty respectful to the events that happen. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of divers, I was reading like a diver's page who he's been lost at sea before. And he said that this movie really resonated with him and was similar to his experience. And he says that all divers or people who are interested in diving should watch this film because it's so grounded and yeah. so real to life that it's such... It's like a scared straight yeah. method of It'll make sure of, that you double check yeah, everything. Your, yeah, your um, safety measures and stuff. I, I can just see a, a family that's really into like diving as their family vacation, and the dad's always like, "You don't want open water to happen to you, yeah. do you? Better double check your scuba gear." Yeah, exactly. The film too was made by a husband and wife team who are avid divers. Well, there you go. And I did not realize there is like a whole series of these movies i think really yeah i think there's more than one. Oh, which interesting. yeah i might be wrong i may be thinking of something else but i think that there's like three no honey you're thinking of friday the 13th stop there's, there's a lot of those <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh yeah that's that yeah that last one though is it's upsetting rough. it's the scariest one on here i think you're throwing a bonus one uh just because i know that with it with the sequel being out in theaters right now the strangers begins with saying uh inspired by true events mm -hmm. and just in case listeners are wondering uh the true and the true events that inspired that movie that first one is mostly the manson murders yeah because i believe like even the the end what happens to uh live tyler and yeah. Sp scott speedman is similar to what happened to some Sharon of the Manson Tate. victims. Yeah, just like... Yeah, and the, the um, La Biancas too. Just very like, why are you doing this? Yeah. Because... And the other thing that inspired it was a series of burglaries that uh, for the, the filmmaker Brian Bertino, I think, uh, the guy who wrote and directed the first movie, it was in his neighborhood when he was a kid, and I guess his sister answered the door one time to a person asking if someone was home who didn't live there. Oh, uh, but they were going around knocking on doors and doing that as a way to see if people were home. And if they didn't answer the door, they would then burglarize the home. Right. So it's like an opposite thing than the movie. And that's uh, typically how burglaries happen. Yeah. They don't want you to be home. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. So, it's, so in real life, it, the smart thing to do was to answer the door. Yes. Whereas, as I argued in the Strangers Pray at Night review that we did, just stay in bed. <laughs> yeah. Just stay in bed when the knock comes happening at four in the morning. Yeah. But yeah, just in case you were wondering about, oh, how The Strangers is inspired by your events, those, you know, loose. I feel like <laughs> whenever, whenever you see a movie, say, inspired by true events, take it with a grain of salt because sometimes it can be so loosely inspired that like that and sometimes it can just be totally fucking fabricated. I mean, yeah. we mentioned at the top Texas Chainsaw Massacre has yeah. been compared to Ed Gein, but I feel like mostly it's a work of fiction. For and they sure. just they just stuck that in the beginning to make it scarier. Yeah. Cuz if Which if, it is, it makes it, we talked about that in our first episode. Especially back then, dude, yeah. before that tactic was used often and mm -hmm. with a movie that gritty, yeah, like we discussed before, it's yeah. like that's going to scare the audience if they think it's real. So. Yeah. Yep. 
But just always do your research. Yeah, for sure. Like Chelsea did for this episode. Yeah, yeah. I did a lot of research for this. I yeah, was you got on like, like I was in like JSTOR and there, stuff. Man. Oh, nice. Yeah, I try. I tried to source everything from you know either published, you know, academic research, anything that was published. Yeah. You know, no BuzzFeed, nothing like that. <laughs> I was using articles from the Atlantic, LA Time, like like older stuff, mm-hmm. archives, real shit that I could source and be like, yes, this is a fact. Not, this happened. Not all the listicles written by millennials on <laughs> Yeah, no listicles shows. were used to make yeah. this. Well, good work. I very much enjoyed examining that stuff. Yeah. I liked researching it. I want to do more researchy episodes, but I don't know what I want to do next. Well, the listener can let us know if they have any ideas. That is a good idea. They can also hit us up with suggestions for Would You Rathers. Yes, we want to do a Would You Rather episode. Probably not next, but after the next one. Mm -hmm. So like two from now. We just want to do horror Would You Rathers. And do not make them... (laughs) Would you rather fight this dude or this dude? I won't even look at it. I won't even read it. It's not going to be on the show. Yeah. Don't. Or like, and and don't just go like one step removed from that with like, would you rather uh, be at Camp Crystal Lake or on Elm Street? Yeah. No, no, no. Get creative. Get, Get weird. creative, guys. Make us think. Make us, give us ones that we're going to have to debate or feel weird about answering. Give us real life situations with a horror twist. Because yes. I really like the one that you have. I keep using it as an example. Okay, yeah. Here's my example. You're Okay, say you're running for president. Who would you rather have be your vice presidential candidate? Rod from Birdemic. Who's a very strange human being. Or Jeffrey Combs from reanimator who is also a very strange human being but in different but ways you'd imagine this person stumping for you yeah they're giving speeches at the the they're dnc in, they're in the vice president debate with mike pence yeah they're <laughs> oh God. yeah they're okay yeah let's say specifically you're running against trump <laughs> who would you want to be your running mate they have to debate mike pence yeah yeah so oh stuff God. like that make I, us think yo i'm gonna say right now i would pay top dollar to watch Dr. Herbert West debate oh, Mike Pence. That would be so good. That would be amazing. I would love to see him debate Ted Cruz. Oh god. I feel like that would get weird fast. That get well, I mean you got you got the reanimator killer against the Zodiac killer, so. Yeah. I was going to say Rod and Ted Cruz are the same person. <laughs> you know, I feel like if if Ted Cruz is a horror character, him and Rod from Birdemic would get along. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're just trying to be people. (laughs) And failing. (laughs) And failing. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, come up with fun stuff like that. Yeah. Not just... Throw some curveballs. I want them to be weird. Yeah. 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 Get creative, please. Not, would you rather be in this saw trap or this saw trap? (laughs) Yeah. Although we're going to just do an episode of saw traps now, I think. Listen, people want us to talk about saw. The most requested thing. Saw. and, and, And I'm not only talking about the kill count where that is also true. I'm talking about at deadmeatpod at gmail.com. That's the address that you should be emailing us. Yeah, people are asking us to talk about Saw. That's People want us to talk about You know what? Okay, fine. For the next research episode, I will try and put together something about Saw traps versus real-life torture devices that have been used. Fun. Yeah. That's going to get fucked up. Yeah, that sounds real fucked up. Yep, but But I guess that's what the people want. Mm -hmm. Y'all want your Saw? fine we're gonna give it to you You fucking get your saw yeah those movies get bad yes they. i'm just gonna say it yes they do they get real bad i remember i think the fourth or fifth one they start editing it all crazy i don't know man like there's weird all of them after the second are just insane there's like i think four five six have this just insane plot and it's jumping all at one takes place during another. And I don't know. That's right. I'm going to have to revisit them at some yeah. point, though. Yeah. And by extension, I will as well. That's right. You're in this ride. Oh, boy. But like I said, email us at deadmeatpod at gmail.com. That is the email address specific to this podcast. Uh, questions, complaints. Yeah, would you rathers. Would you rathers. Anything you want to say. Polite corrections on stuff. Yeah, don't be dicks. Don't, yeah, don't email be dicks. us pictures of middle fingers. We're sensitive. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea, where can people find you online? Uh, I'm at Carebeck, C-A-R-E-B-E-C-C on Twitter, Instagram. Mm-hmm. Dead meat. 
lives online at social media sites at Dead Meat James. That's on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, if you if you're not already subscribed to the YouTube channel, that's just Dead Meat on YouTube. It's a pretty good channel, if I have to say. Mm-hmm. And then my personal stuff is at James A. Janice at Twitter and Instagram. The Twitter's political. You can avoid that by just not going there. Just don't don't follow me and then complain about my politic tweeting. Yeah. Because that's, that's what I do there. That's fine. Mm-hmm. It's up to me. But thank you for listening to this. I love doing these podcasts. Me too. With my lovely girlfriend, Chelsea. If you love them too, make sure that you rate and review us on whatever app you're using to uh, listen to us, especially iTunes. Mm -hmm. Those reviews go uh, a long way, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, For everyone asking for it to be on Spotify, we submitted it. We're waiting for Spotify to approve it. Yeah, that's on them. Hold your horses. We did what... I think Spotify is picky about what podcasts get hosted there so i we're, we're honestly just waiting right now yeah so it'll happen we're Sorry. still it's pretty not our fault though new podcast any other apps that you need us on let us know yeah we'll submit them but uh yeah thanks a lot for for listening to this yeah thank you guys yeah uh, until next time i'm james a janice i'm chelsea rebecca do we do that at the end i don't think we do okay That's well fine. we did Bye. bye